hadn't seen rain in three and a half years, but go. Oh, God, thank you, Holy Ghost. The heavens were shut up because of Elijah's own word. The heavens were closed because of Elijah's mouth. But catch it, beloved. They were also open because of his mouth. The heavens were shut up because he said for three years it will not rain. But then he came back and declared again. Gird up your loins for the rain is coming. He shut it down with his mouth and he opened it back up with his mouth. Some of you today, you're the cause of your own undoing because of your mouth. But I hear the word of the Lord today. If you take that same mouth that caused the things in God to dry up in your life and you begin to declare what thus said the Lord, not by what you see. Don't be moved by what you see, but only be moved by what you hear from God about what you see. And then what God says about what you see, you declare out of your mouth. Declare it out of your mouth. Declare it out of your mouth. Declare it out of your mouth. A bursting over harvest. Declare it out of your mouth. Abundance of rain. Declare it out of your mouth. No more sickness. No more lack. Out of your mouth. No more sickness nor disease. Declare it out of your mouth. Come on, begin to declare. Oh, lift up your hands and begin, begin to declare some things over your life. Whatever it is you're going through, begin to declare it. The same mouth that got you in the mess is the same mouth that'll get you out. The key to the kingdom is have an ear. Hear what God has to say for you. Then open up your mouth and speak it. Speak it. Let it rain down. Let it come down in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. For you are the speaker and the giver of life. You spoke life into us. Now speak life for us. You know what we're going through, God. And Father, our ears are inclined to you on this morning. Speak to our hearts and our spirits. We are open, willing, yielding vessels to hear what heaven has to say. Speak now, God. Speak now, God. Speak now. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. When you receive it in your spirit, clap your hands and give him some glory. When you receive it. Oh, come on. That's not the... That's not the response of somebody who just received something from God. That's not the response that somebody who had just received something from God. I'm going to give you another opportunity. When you get it, respond. When you receive it in your spirit, that should be a response to what you receive. When you get it in your spirit, that has to be a response to what you receive. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. That is. pronouncement that a woman is impregnated that she began to rejoice it's at the pronouncement of the seed being planted in them that's about to burst forth when life celebration happens woman goes to the doctor and the doctor says I have good news you have conceived child the rejoicing begins it's not until that moment that the reality of being impregnated with something that one begins to rejoice what am I saying to you because y'all miss it the first time it's when you hear God has spoken something over your life at that moment of the report that what God has said is yours even before you get it before the child is born they're celebrating they're calling everybody they're texting everybody we having a baby we having a baby they're throwing parties and showers why? because that which God had given they're now celebrating watch before it's even birth I don't know what God is speaking to you right now. But there's a praise that should emanate from your spirit. That will gain God's attention. There's a praise that should come up out of you. Like a well springing up. Bubbling over. That should overtake you. There's a well that's bubbling up. And springing over. That should overtake you. Not because you have it physically, but because you have it promised spiritually, there's a praise. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for what's already done and for what's to come. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands one last time and give God some glory. God, we bless you. Grab your Bibles. First Kings chapter number 18. First Corinthians chapter number 12. If you would stand to your feet. God, we bless you and thank you. God, we give you glory. First Kings chapter number 18. First Corinthians chapter number 12. All standing if you're able. God gave you strength to walk into this sanctuary. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. God, we bless you and thank you. 
believe God wants to do something supernatural this morning. I believe God wants to do something mighty in your life. Are your hearts ready to receive? First Kings chapter number 18. First Corinthians chapter number 12. I'm going to forgo our faith declaration on this morning. I'm going to jump right into the word. Let's start in first Corinthians chapter number 12. From there, we're going to move over to first Kings. But first Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 25. It's where we begin. So begin in the reading of your hearing. So that there should be no division in the body, but that is, that it is, its parts should have equal concern for each other. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That is, each part should have equal concern. I'm trying to say it all kind of ways I can say it because you need to get it this morning. That you don't favor one over the next. That every part has equal concern for one another. Mm. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Of different kinds of tongues. There's more than one tongue. Different kinds of tongues. Turn to your neighbor and say, what kind of tongue do you have? You got to be careful for those fork tongues. Make sure your neighbor don't have a forked tongue. Be careful. It's that slithering tongue. That conniving tongue that slithers. You know a snake is very cunning. It just slides in. You don't even sometimes don't even know it's there. Until you hear. Until you see its tongue. You don't even know he's there until you see his tongue. What do you mean, apostle? The moment he sticks his tongue out, that's when the sound begins. If you're looking for a wolf in sheep's clothing, just wait until he opens his mouth. If you're looking for a snake in your life, just wait till you hear the sound of when you see his tongue. Ask your neighbor, what kind of tongue do you have? Because, you know, there's some deceptive tongues. There's some tongues that are speaking tongues, but it's still slithering tongues. And you think they're speaking or speaking in the spirit, but they really. It's tearing you down. It's not a heavenly language. It's witchcraft. Ask your neighbor again, what kind of tongue do you have? Jump over to 1 Kings. I'm trying to mind my business this morning. Verse number 18. 
Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. You know what the travesty of this text is? Is that they didn't even pick a side. So God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. For if you look warm, standing on the fence post, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He gave them a choice. Which one are you going to do? You're going to serve God or you're going to serve Baal? And they sat in the middle and said, well, like so many church folk, have the opportunity to follow God. But we just sit there and say nothing. Father, now, we bless you and thank you. I ask God now in this moment that our spirits rejoice in what you're doing in this hour. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. What you thirst for will eventually shape your desires. I told you that on last week. It is the thing that you thirst for that will shape your desires. It's the thing that will get you up out of bed. It will push you to places that you really don't want to be. It'll cause you and draw you into things that you don't want to be a part of. Because your desire has been shaped around that thing. That's the thing you, you desire you got to have. Desire. Your desire is a powerful thing. That's why you be careful what you thirst for, because if you thirst for the wrong thing, then your desire begins to mold around that thing. And that's the thing you're going to want oh so badly. That's why the Bible says he that is hungry and thirsty shall be filled. That hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Why? Because God is trying to shape your desires around his will for your life. Can you say amen? amen. So I want to talk about the church this morning. The desire of the church, the purpose of the church, the duties of the church, but not the church building. See, in every generation, God raises up an apostolic voice to bring deliverance and correction in a generation. And there's some things we have gotten mixed up and some things we have fallen into error in the church. And we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all made some mistakes. And one of the things we've fallen short is, watch this statement. Because we have canonized this statement. We said that I am the church. I am the church. And watch this. We have said this so often that others who hear it have now accepted it, that as their own declaration. What, what, what are you saying, Apostle? When we say that I am the church, you by yourself are not the church. It is only us together, collectively together, that becomes the church. So when we say, I'm the church, then the people who hear that statement says, well, I don't need to go to the church. I just need to be the church. And now I can exclude that and just be me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need me. And tell them, I need you. Because the body, the makeup of the body makes the church. You by yourself are not the church. Okay, I told him in the 915, 
It's like you taking a brick from your house and setting it aside and apart from everything else and you calling the brick the house. It's you taking one brick and you presenting it to folk and say, look at my house. It's a one bedroom, one and a half bath. Look at my house. It's just one brick. One brick don't make the house. One person don't make the church. We make the church. Because that's, that's where the body of Christ is now. There are people staying at home saying, I don't need the church. I am the church. I can, I can be at home. The Spirit going to teach me. Uh, I can be at home, read my own Bible. I, I can watch it online. I can just be the church because I am the church. You by yourself are not the church. You're part of the church. And we need one another. Because without one another, we're not the church. We're individually just a member, but not the body. Okay, let's let's go to work. So the church is the ecclesia. It's made of two Greek words, the ecclesia. Number one, it is an assembly. It's the assembly of the believers coming together. The ecclesia. It is the church. The church, when we come together, we make up the church. It is the assembly. It is where the scripture says that forsake not the assembly, forsake not the church, the ecclesia, the coming together one with another. The coming together of the pieces, the members of the body of Christ coming together to make up the church. Ecclesia. It is also the called out ones. Tell you, maybe you've been called out. Yeah, you, you remember back in the day, you get called out. Somebody call you out. Oh, you don't call me out. You call me out. Back in the day, it was fighting words. You know what I mean? Where my hood people at? Oh, and then, then your people be like, oh, they called you out. Oh, they called. What you going to do? Instigating. What you going to do? They called you out. What you going to do? You know, when you used to street dance, you know, you pop out. And, and they say, I'm calling him out. Me, yeah, your stuff's tight. <laughs> You know, you get called out. Well, that's what God does. He he calls you out. But watch when he calls you out, he calls you out for a purpose. He calls you out. So the church is an assembly of the believers coming together. But we're also called out not just to come to church, but to be the church. Not to come just to sit in church and hear the music and clap our hands and watch this. Not even to just get our breakthrough. God calls us out to be a part of the church. Watch this. Something bigger than yourself. If you were the church, you could not handle containing all that which is of the church. That's why it takes you and your brother and your sister. You by yourself could not be the church because it's too much. The church is bigger than you. I am the church. You can't even contain or fathom the mind of God by yourself. That's why you prophesy in part, you know in part, you see in part. Why? Because the church is a bigger part than you can handle. That's why God gives some to you and some to somebody else, because it takes us collectively to see the church manifest. So that's why when it says forsake not the assembly, that word forsake is another Greek word. The connotation of it is to stimulate one another. That when you come together, you stimulate one another. That stimulation is an encouragement. It's a testimony that you're testifying to somebody. You're stimulating them. Because watch this. They know the hell that you're going through. But yet you're still in church, lifting your hands, giving God glory. 
that stimulates them. They know what you've been through, but yet you're still in the house of the Lord, giving him glory and giving him praise. That's an encouragement that stimulates them, that provokes them to get up from where they are and say, I'm going through something. But because God brought you out, surely he can bring me out as well. That's what the church does. The church stimulates. You are a testimony to your neighbor. You are, watch this, catch it, write it down. You are the testimony of God. I'll say that again. You are the testimony of God. That when you get up and you testify in the church, not by your mouth, just by the simple fact of you showing up is a testimony. To God, that's his testimony in the earth. Okay, let's, y'all remember Job? Have you tried my servant Job? God was testifying of Job showing up day after day. That he testified to Satan that my servant Job can handle whatever you throw his way. He became God's testimony. Can God testify about you? Uh Can God testify about you as the church? So we're called out. Somebody shall have been called out. Last week I gave you from buckets to wells. This week we're going from tents to tabernacles. We're going from tents to tabernacles. But we got to correct that saying in our mind that I am the church because if we are the church, then we will continuously be the church. Break it down, Apostle. If you tell people I am the church, then your life 24-7 should be like the church. And let's be real about it. How many of us had some unchurchy moments? Huh? We've all had some unchurchy moments. But collectively, when we come together, even in our flaws, even our shortcomings, we come together as the church. Watch this to encourage one another to get up and to get back going again. That's the church. Somebody shout, that's the church. So we're going from tents to tabernacles. Tents are temporary. Tabernacles are permanent. You set up a tent, you move into it, you have some fun, you tear it down, pack it away, and then you go about your business. A tent is temporary, but God is calling us to a permanent place of which he can now reside in. Not a temporary abode, but a permanent abode. Oh, y'all better catch that. Not, not a temporary place where you pitch a tent God comes in, spend some time with you like a weekend father. After the weekend is up, he's singing back home to your mammy, I mean your mama. Back, back to your mama, and he gone for a whole nother month. No, God says, I'm not looking for a temporary state. I'm looking for a permanent dwelling. I need you to go from being a tent to a tabernacle. So now wherever you go, I go with you no matter what. Watch this. Even when you slip and trip, I'm there with you for I never leave you nor forsake you. See, that's a permanent abiding of God. That even in your slip ups and your failures, God said, I'm still here. Get back up. I see you. Get back up. I knew you before you knew yourself. Matter of fact, I knew that day you was going to fall right there, right there. That moment. I knew you before you even got there. I knew there. Oh, God. 
Before you got there, I knew you before there was there. And I'm still with you. It's a permanent abiding that God wants in your life. Not you just be a super Christian on Sunday with a a loud hallelujah shout. But what you going to live like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, the the whole week. First Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ. Somebody shout on the body. Yeah, this R&B spirit, man, it's just in me. Mighty, mighty, mighty. Uh. Yes, first, keep me focused. Stimulate me. Come on, stimulate me. Uh huh. You are the body of Christ, of which of you is a part of. Each of you are a part of it. To my shout, I'm a part of the body. Paul, Paul, as Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians church, Paul is locked up again. He's locked up yet again for preaching the gospel. Uh, I'll say it again in this service. Paul is like that cousin. You, you, you know, you ever get that phone call in the middle of the night? And when you pick it up, it's, you have a collect call from the East Baton Rouge Parish Correctional Center. Would you like to take it? You know that cousin that goes in and out of jail? And they're always calling you, collect? That's Paul. Paul Paul is in and out of jail. In and out of jail. And Paul finds himself locked up again in Ephesians prison. And he's writing this letter to uh, Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. And in this letter, Paul is admonishing them. He's encouraging them on what the church should look like. And how the church should act and respond. So he gives this letter in, in the church and uh, in Ephesians chapter number four, he, he tells this letter in this litany of, of words. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, but completely humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the peace of unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. Somebody shout one. There's one spirit. Somebody shout one. Just as you were called to one hope. Somebody shout one. When you were called one Lord. Somebody shout one. One faith. Shout one. One baptism. Shout one. One God. Shout one. And father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each, okay, y'all fell asleep on me. But to each of us, grace have been given as Christ, watch, has apportioned it. Very key text. He has given grace and he has apportioned it. In other words, God had separated the grace and portioned it out. Apportioned grace to each. Watch it, watch it, watch it. He apportioned, Christ apportioned it, and he had given it out. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to the body. Here's the apostolic voice to the church again. The church has made an error of making the gifts a position and an office. The church has made the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, the bishop, 
the deacon, the, all these things we have made. Well, let me stick to the five. He, he has, we have made these five gifts as an office. And really, they're gifts. Somebody shout, you have the gift. He ascended and descended, but before he did, he gave gifts to the body. Now, here's a teaching. Some of you have gotten from me, but we're going to get it together today. It says, what does he ascend means except he also descended to lower parts of the region. He also descended every in every uh, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Watch to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all somebody shout all until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. One translation in the King James says he has given some. Somebody shout some. Some. He has given some apostles. He has given some prophets. He has given some evangelists. He has given some pastors and some teachers. He has given some. Somebody shout some. Some Some not in in a quantity or quantitative type of sense. Not five apostles, 20 Prophets, 15 evangelists. He has given some as a portion. Ah, somebody shout teach apostle. So he has given the fivefold ministry gifts to you as portions of it towards each of you. So inside of each of you is some apostle. In, 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 in the inside of each of you is some prophet. Inside of you is some evangelist, some pastor, and some teacher. Somebody shout some. Some. So you have some of the five of the gifts. And God has given you the gifts, watch this, for his purpose. What is his purpose? That you may equip and edify the saints for the work of the ministry. So that we all can come into unity. So God has given us each some of these gifts. Somebody shout some. So you have some of each. You know why? Because God gave you the gift so that whenever he calls you out and he calls you to a thing, he can call on that gift and use you for his purpose. So you'll be in the grocery store. And he'll call upon that son of that prophet on the inside of you. And you begin to prophesy to somebody. Are you a prophet? No, that's the portion he gave you. And that's the portion he needs at that moment. He'll call you out. Somebody call you. They'll be crying. I'm going through it. I lost my child, whatever. And he'll call upon some of that gift of portion of pastor. And you'll begin to pastor that person. Because it's some. Because God needs to pull on what he has put in you. And if it's not in you, how can he use you? If it's not in you, how can he use you? So, so as an office, you'll say, well, I ain't no pastor. Call pastor, he going to pray for you. Now you can't get pastor because he on the beach with Lady T. And the phone off. What you going to do then? What we's going to do, boss? God says, I'm calling on you. I have placed pastoral portion on the inside of you. And I'm giving a grace upon that gifting on the inside of you. And I need to tug on the gift. And then he'll tug on the gift, and then all of a sudden the gift be, is still there, but it'll lift off you. Yeah. 
Okay, let me give you more Bible. Saul, after being anointed king, the Bible says he ran into a group of prophets, and guess what happened? He prophesied. Saul prophesied with prophets. Was he a prophet? No. But God pulled on the gift that he put in him, which was a prophet, pulled on some of that, and he prophesied. You never heard Saul prophesy again after that moment, but God pulled on that gift at that moment. There's somebody out there today that's waiting on you to operate in the gift that God has called you in. Somebody's waiting for that gift that's on the inside of you that God can tug on. You'll be in the grocery store again, and somebody will be there, and they don't know the Lord, and then all of a sudden, God will pull on that gift of evangelist, and you'll begin to give them scripture. You'll lead them to the Lord, and you'll be like, I even knew I knew that scripture. He'll bring back to things, to remembrance that you, you forgot. He'll give you words that you didn't even read. And that person will be tugging on your coat. What must I do to be saved? Why? Because God used you as an evangelist in that moment. Somebody shout, it's a gift. Somebody shout, it's a gift. Tell your neighbor, you have the gift. You have the gift. See, here's what the church, the church has put it as positions and as offices and, and all of these things and titles. Watch this. We get to the point now, we title tossing. What do you mean, apostle? Title tossing. I see you as a prophet. Hey, prophetess, you ain't no prophetess. And now you're trying to be something that you're not. And the danger of that is you're trying to live up to something that God didn't call you to be. So now instead of leading people according to God's will, you're leading people according to what they said you were. Hallelujah. If you can't say amen, just snap your fingers. And now we're tossing, we're putting these titles on people and they're trying to live up to something that they're not. And we're hurting the body of Christ. People have started churches on, watch, not God calling them, but what people have called them. Oh, you're a powerful preacher. Well, I need to start a church. They call you a preacher, not a pastor. You know there's a difference, right? Some of us, we do have the gift of preaching, prolific oration. We can Expound upon the word, Amen. but to pastor and to preach is two different things. Can I help you for a second before I move on? Because to preach is to declare the word of God. Amen. But to pastor, you have to have God's heart to pastor people. Because after the preaching, you got to deal with the people. Oh, God, can I give you insight into my life? After today, my phone going to blow up 50 times. And they're going to be like, Pastor, I need to have a meeting. I need to talk to you. I'm going through this. I need you to lay hands. I need you to do all of this. That's pastoring. Preaching is this. Preaching is a declaration of the kingdom of God. And there are some powerful, prolific preachers who cannot pastor. So you should always look for a good pastor and not a good preacher. The church have us running after good preachers, and we bypass the good pastors. Oh, that's good preaching. Praise the Lord. We had good church today. And pastor, don't even. I'm sorry. Amen. I'm going to try to stay out of trouble. The church has two duties. The first duty of the church is to represent. It's to represent. If you are the church, then you have to represent the church. If you are the church, you have to represent the church. In other words, your life has to look like the life God wants you to live. You have to represent. The, the second duty of the church is to represent. 
So now you take what God has created you to be and all that God has made you to be and you represent that to a dying world. So now that which you have, you now give it to somebody else. You represent what God has given you. Somebody shall represent. You got to take what God has given you and present it to a dying world. So watch this. What you consume, you will be filled. What you consume will fill you. What you consume, you will be filled by. What you consume will fill you up. What you consume will fill you. What you put in is what's going to come out. Y'all quiet in this Pentecostal church. What you put in eventually come out. And God didn't want us to consume anything that would bring harm to anybody. Even to yourself. You remember there were two trees in the garden that they speak of? Two trees. One was the tree of life, of which they can eat freely of. But then there was the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. Y'all remember those two trees? Somebody shout two. The tree of life was the life that God says, I want you to live and have this life eternal. You can eat of this everlasting life and have everlasting life. That you can eat of continually. But then there's another tree. Somebody shout another tree. This other tree was a tree of good and of evil. The knowledge thereof. And watch this. They consumed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that which they consumed, they're now filled with. Guess what you're filled with now? The knowledge of good and of evil. You have the knowledge of good and evil on the inside of you. And watch, the purpose of the church is to help you decipher between what's right and what's wrong. That's the maturing. Pastor Adam talked about it in the exhortation. That's the maturing of the saint, that God wants you to come into church so you can be mature to make the right decision between what's good and what's evil, what's right and what's wrong. That is the maturation, the maturity process that God wants the church to go through. But watch this. We stay out of church, so the longer we stay out of church, the longer the process takes for us to mature. So we got a lot of immature saints in the body. Hallelujah. So we stay out of church and we don't grow to be the church. We don't grow to be the church. So we fill with the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. So what's the purpose of the church? Three things to encourage you, to equip you and to evangelize, to encourage you, to equip you and to evangelize. That is the purpose of the church is to make sure that you're encouraged, that when you're going through some tough times in life, you need to get around some believers that encourage you to get up and keep on going. You'll find that courage in the church, that encouragement. The the second thing is to equip. It's to equip you, to get you ready, to get you prepared for life, because it's in life that God will equip you for life. But you got to be equipped. The last thing. It's to evangelize. Evangelize. First Corinthians chapter number 12. The Bible says, for we are all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given, watch this, one spirit to drink of. Even so, the body is not made up of of the body is made up of one part, but many, but of many. Now, if now if the foot say, 
Because I am not a hand. I am not, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. <clears throat> and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, do I not belong to the body? It would not be for that reason, stop being part of the body. Somebody shout, I'm part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Somebody shout, I'm a part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Ooh. Mm, mm, mm. You know, you're right where God intended you to be. You're right where God intended you to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Somebody shout one body. If you drop down to verse 25, and I'm, I'm coming to a close, it says that there should be no division in the body. Oh, God. Could you imagine if your left hand fought with your right hand? Could you imagine if your left foot had conflict with your right foot? If your left foot would say, I don't want to hang out with my right foot, and he decides to go left, and your right foot said, well, great, I don't want to be with you, I'm going right. If, if, if your right hand had beef with your left hand, and you're trying to eat a meal, and every time you lift up your hand, they fighting with one another. And such is the body of Christ. The right hand is bickering with the left hand. The left foot have issue with the right foot. And we can't even get together as one in the body. And watch this. The world is watching. And they say, y'all can't even get together. And y'all want me to come to that mess? Y'all want me to camp, come camp out with y'all in that foolishness? I think I'll pass on that one. If one part suffers, then every part suffers, suffers with it. And if one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. So when one goes up, we all go up. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. Individually, we are members, but together we are the body. Oh, that's good. Individually, we are members of the body, but together we make up the body. We're one body in Christ. And God is moving us from a temporary place to a permanent place. That we come together as one. Somebody shout one. That we're coming together as one. Somebody shout one. That we're coming together as one. Somebody shout one. Somebody shout we're better together. We're better together when we come together as one. One body. One Lord. One spirit. One baptism. One God. One. One. You're not one brick. You're not one church. You're only one brick in the church. You're not the church. You are a brick in the church. Watch this. A necessary brick. Because without your brick, then we'll be lacking in some areas. 
If you're not in place, then that means that there's not some, um, some, um, how can I say it? We're not solid or solidified. The integrity of the structure is compromised if you remove one brick. The foundation is shaky. The walls will begin to move. Come on, King, you know what I'm talking about. If you remove that one, two by four off the wall, the wall ain't as stable as it ought to be. You'll see it like this. When the AC unit turns on and that compressor key, the wall go like that. That's because the structure has, the integrity of the structure has been compromised. And such is the church. That when you take one brick out, y'all remember when Jesus said, who do men say I am? And Peter taps into heaven and says, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. Jesus said, thou art correct, Peter. Flesh and blood has not revealed this thing unto you. No longer will you be Simon, Peter, shifty, unstable, wavering between two opinions, serving other gods, doing other things, being in church, but not becoming a part of the church. You're not going to be him anymore. You're going to be Peter, Petra, the rock, solid. No longer are you going to waver between two. You're going to be solid. Solid as a rock. You're going to be solid. That when people see you, they're going to see you stable. They're going to see you solid. Your, your attitude going to be the same. Because you're a tabernacle, not a tent. You're going to think before you speak. Why? Because you're a tabernacle, not a tent. God just didn't rest his glory on you and then lift. He's abiding on the inside of you. So when you go to say it, the Holy Spirit will be like, you know, some of y'all take a long time. Take a long time before you yield to the Holy Spirit because you don't you don't already decided that you're going to give them a piece of your mind. Only problem with that, you ain't got that much mind to give. Why? Because God is abiding in you. He's going to trouble you. And watch this. Even when you slip and say it, before you can even get out the door, conviction falls upon you. And the Holy Ghost pulls you back and say, you know, that wasn't right. You shouldn't have said what you said. And you'll go back and say, you know what? I was out of character. But the Holy Ghost dealt with me. I shouldn't have said what I said to you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. The God I serve is bigger than that moment. The God I serve is bigger than that moment. And I showed you a lesser side of the God whom I serve. I showed you a God who is not able to help me tame my tongue. I'm sorry. Because I'm a tabernacle. And not a tent. And I don't want you to view me as such. I don't want you to just call me, oh, that's a sometime Christian when he's around other sometime saints. No, I want to be a Christian all the time. I want to be a Christian all the time because I'm a tabernacle. Touch yourself and say, I'm a tabernacle. Tell your neighbor, don't be a tent. Don't be a 
Don't be temporary, but be a tabernacle. Be permanent. Be, t- be permanent. Be solid. Be solidified in the faith. And that's the purpose of the church, is to help mature you to that place. That you become a tabernacle. Watch this, my last statement. A tabernacle that the weary can run into. Woo! That you a tabernacle that the weary can run into. So when people are going through, they know who to go to. Did you hear that? That when people are going through, they know who to go to. They're going to come to you because they know that you serve a God who is well able, that you serve a mighty God, that you're going to give them godly counsel and, wit- uh, and, and wisdom. They're going to run to you. Why? Because you're a tabernacle. People bypass tents. Next time you go house shopping, I bet you ain't looking for no tent. <laughs> Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet all over this place. From tents to tabernacles. From tents to tabernacles. From tents to tabernacles. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they carried the tent of meeting. They carried the tent. They would set it up. God will come down. His presence and his glory would rest upon the tent. Then it would lift. It would pack the tent up and it would move on. That was Old Testament. But then the New Testament, God didn't want to dwell in tents made by man's hands. He wanted a tabernacle, a temple made not by man's hands. Because watch this, when you set up a tent, that's your human effort to do it. And the moment you place your hands to it, you have already tainted it. So God says, I don't want you to have no part in this. I want to build a tabernacle, a temple, not by your corrupt hands, but by my hands, of which I can now live in. If you're here this morning with your heads bow, with your heads bow, and you would say, Apostle, that's me. I've been, I've been a tent saint. Oh, I know the saints about to start or they're probably in the second quarter now and and, and they're running up and down the field just like some of us running up and down through life some fumbles some turnovers some uh, interceptions we're running up and down the field of life making some mistakes missing blocks missing tackles making some mistakes getting some penalties in life and God says, listen, I know all those mistakes, but you've been, you've been a tent. You've been temporary. If you would become a permanent tabernacle, when you go to make that mistake, I'm going to be there with you to help direct you and guide you. You're here today. And that's you. You hadn't accepted Christ as your Lord and say, maybe you have. Backslidden. God is calling you home today. He wants to abide in you. Galatians chapter 2 says that no longer I that live it, but Christ that lives within me. He only wants to live in tabernacles, not tents. That's you today. Made some mistakes. Today, the Holy Spirit is here to deal with you and to accept you back into the beloved. His arms are wide open waiting for you to come home. Accept Christ and appoint your sins. 
backslidden, coming back home. If that's you today, don't delay. Lift your hand in the air. That's you today, accepting Jesus Christ, your Lord, and say, I see you. I believe there's others today. I see you. I believe there's others today. Today, I'm getting it right. I made some mistakes, but I'm getting it right. Is that you? If that's you, I see you. I believe there's others today. If that's you, lift your hand now. I see even the kids are lifting their hands. Anyone else made some mistakes, backslidden? God is calling you out today. He's calling the ecclesia. He's calling you out. The called out one. He's calling you today. Any others? Any others? Any others? I see you, sir. I make my last appeal to you. You're a member of the body, but you're not connected to the body. What are you saying, apostle? You don't have a church home. I'm talking to you now. You're here today. You say, well, I'm a member of the body. I'm, I'm a brick in the house of the Lord, but you're not connected to a house. You don't have a church home. Today is your day as well to connect. You would say, that's me. I'm looking to be a part of what God is doing here at Elevate Church. I'm going to join. If that's you today, would you lift your hand and wave it at me? Amen. 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 The baby's raised. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyone else today? Anyone else today would say, that's me. I need to be connected to the body. I need a church home. Talk to your neighbor. Do the work of the evangelist. Let God use the gift that's on the inside of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you connected? connected. Praise God. Everybody connected. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. For those of you online today, the petition goes out to you as well. If you don't have a church home, simply text the word JOIN to 225-361-2016. Today I want to serve you the Lord's Supper as we prepare ourselves to receive the Lord's Supper on today. As we follow the Lord. In New Testament sacraments, you know, communion is more than just juice and bread. Communion is a remembrance of the covenant. What, what am I saying? It's a remembrance of what Christ has done. Christ said, when you do this, do this as often in remembrance of me. So the question is, is how do you remember Christ? Do you remember him to be a healer, a deliverer, a provider? So every time you take communion, Christ want to know, how do you remember me? And you should remind as you're taking it and you're partaking of it, you should remind Christ, you paid the price for this. The sickness, you bore the stripes. The lack and the poverty, you have given provision. That's how you remember him when you take communion. So if you would, starting from the rear, my right, your left, my left, your right, from the sanctuary, would you come and receive of the Lord's Supper today? Face the outer wall, coming from the rear, that direction, would you come? I know there's many schools of thoughts of who should receive communion and who shouldn't. Hallelujah. You know, Judas was at the table too. <laughs> uh, Judas was at the table as well. So before you get to determine and dictate who should and shouldn't, then you have to remember who 
Jesus permitted to. Matter of fact, he even washed his feet. Hallelujah. So if you're here today, don't let guilt and condemnation tell you that you can't partake. That's what the new covenant in the blood was for. It was shed so that you can be a part of this new covenant. Well, I can't take communion. Uh, gentlemen, don't ever let the ladies walk down the altar by themselves. Hello. 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 I don't care if you have to run from the back. Okay? Thank you. I love y'all. Amen. So, don't let the enemy tell you that you can't partake of it. Because it's... Thank you. Because it's this new covenant that Christ paid the price so you can be set free from your sins. So you can partake. And while you're partaking, you can ask for forgiveness. Because that's how you remembered him as a savior. That's in that moment the spirit of God will come into you. He'll wash you and cleanse you. Can you say amen? If you would, go to the private prayer closet of your heart and ask God to forgive your sins. Knowingly, unknowingly, pray to the Father. Ask him to forgive you. Repent of any sins that you know of. Of omission or commission. That's some power there. Amen. I don't know where that came from, but amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm not a tent, but I'm a tabernacle. If you're here for the first, second, or even reoccurring time, I would love to shake your hand, meet you, and greet you in the foyer on today. I'm going to close out in prayer. Make sure you don't leave until I get to meet you and shake your hand. Father, now, heads about. Father, we thank you, God for this sacred assembly of the bodies of believers. Father, as we come together brick by brick, God, as the body of Christ, to make one the holy tabernacle, to make your church up, God, I pray now that, Father, we'll leave this place better than that which we've came. Father, that we'll have love in our hearts one for another. That, Father, the bickering, the strife, the malice, the quarreling, the arguing, the hatred will be dispelled from our hearts. Now we'll love you, God, and we'll love our brothers and sisters. And Father, we will do what you have called us to do. That's to lay down our lives, even when our flesh want to continue living our lives the old way. So Father, now we thank you. We bless you. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.